Good morning. A few announcements before we begin. This Wednesday's potluck dinner has been postponed on account of the county fair. We'll pick up with the usual schedule next month. Now, this morning, we're going to continue with our series on evangelism. Let me go get my notes. Now, you all remember week point three in our evangelism series, we focused on the importance of subliminal messaging. Uh, was it week 33? Oh, no, 37. All right, are you fired up about sharing your faith? Yeah, I don't know. That's a little awkward, uh, those videos. Hey, here's what I know about sharing our faith. Um, everyone I ever meet that knows Jesus wants to see their friends know Jesus as well, or family members. Everybody. I, I mean, nobody tells me, nah, I'm not interested in my family members, my friends knowing Jesus. But so many of us, it is just scary, right, to share our faith. We don't even quite know what to do or how to get started and what happens if we're rejected. So here's what we thought we'd do, is for the next three weeks, we want to share with you how to share your faith with other people, and how to just walk through sharing your story so that you can share God's story, and then ask the question, with who? Who is God leading you to share your story and God's story with? So that's our progression, so you need to jump in all three weeks so that uh, you, you get the full picture of what we're talking about. So let's just jump into this. If you have your sermon notes, now these are really significant. If you're here, like I gave you sermon notes, I gave you a pen, so I made it real simple for you. If you're at home, you'll notice right up here, there's a QR code. You just click on that with your phone, and these sermon notes are going to come up for you to follow along with me. Now, I know some of you are just staring at me. You're not jumping into these, but these sermon notes... We really have to participate together on them. You're going to see what God is actually going to do when we get to that point uh, of the note. So at home, find it uh, on that code there. And if you're here, you've got it on your seat. Let's jump into this thing because before we talk about sharing our faith, before we think it's all about some slick strategy to just say the right words, before we think what we do is we back somebody in the corner by some clever argument and showing where they're wrong and therefore they have to believe, we have to understand, we need to understand that at its core, sharing our faith is about turning around and offering what God has done to our heart, what our life. And so we better investigate that for just a second. We better understand what is it that we're being given that propels us to go share. So take a look if you, at this first verse I've given for you. I'd love for you to go read all of John 14 on your own because you'll see how this flows perfectly in what uh, John is writing, what Jesus is saying. Most of the words of John 14 are Jesus' words. But if you'll notice in John 14, starting in verse 15, Jesus is talking, if you love me, keep my commands, right? Makes sense. Your parents said to you some, hey, if you would love me, you would do what I asked you to do, Right? So Jesus is saying, if you love me, follow me. Put into action what I say. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Listen to that. Don't fly past that too quick. 
like Jesus is actually saying, I have one to appeal to the Father to give you this advocate. Maybe your translation says helper who will be with you and with you forever. That's pretty good. Don't fly past that. Significant that you're given this. Now, we actually walked through a whole series in the Holy Spirit where we broke out what that word means, what the helper means. And so I want to encourage you to go back on our website, find that, and, and follow some of those. Then he says, this is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, let's stop there. You might read that and go, that's right, they don't. They don't know Jesus. How could they know him? But guess what also that means when we read a passage like that that says they don't know the spirit, they can't recognize the spirit, they don't know him, they can't even see him. Guess what that means? We get to offer it to them. We get to show them the spirit that they might one day know the spirit. In fact, it would mean that you, one day, you and I, we didn't know the spirit. We didn't understand. But we came to know Jesus Christ. And we understood who the Spirit was and what he had to offer our life. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This is the first thing we have to understand. Before we can ever share our faith, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is God's gift given to Christians. That God has given us this, this gift of the Holy Spirit to live in us, to empower us, to speak to us to send us on an amazing journey. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. In fact, the Holy Spirit is a gift given just to Christians. It's not a gift you get without knowing Jesus Christ, without saying, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It comes along, and it is a powerful thing. We'll talk more about it in just a moment. That's our first thing. It's a gift given. Let's take a look at how Paul, as he writes later in the book of Romans, he's actually writing this to the believers in Rome, the newly established church. And as he's writing this, he's wanting them to understand about how you live and how you actually can live out this faith. Notice the context he puts it in. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. What's he trying to say there? Listen, if you want to live according to this world or the flesh, or you could say it this way, the understanding is our own selfish desires. Now, when we think of selfish, think about it this way. I consider myself before I consider God. So if I want to live that way where I consider myself before I consider God, then he's saying, look, you actually condition your mind to function that way. It actually becomes easier to live that way. It becomes so knee-jerk that I would live out my life where I never consider God. I, he just becomes way back there. As believers, you know what we're doing too? We're actually quieting the Holy Spirit, that gift that was given to us. But he says this, listen. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, they have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So in the same way, he's saying, look, you actually, when you live in the Spirit, if you would live according to the Spirit, you actually condition your mind to think about the Spirit or think about God's ways before you think about your ways. You are considering, who is God? Who is Jesus? What is the Holy Spirit prompting within me? And we act on that before I would act on my selfish desires. And I actually condition my mind to quiet 
that selfish voice. That's powerful. The Spirit does that within us. The mind governed by the flesh, listen, he gets stronger here, is death. Meaning that those things that are led by selfish desires, he's saying they have no lasting effect. They, I mean, they have, they have nothing that will be eternal for us, nothing good for us. They're death. But in contrast again, the mind governed by the spirit is what? Life and peace. Peace sounds pretty good, right? Life sounds pretty good. That is what the gift of the Holy Spirit brings to our life. So if when we read those two passages, and listen, there are so many more passages in the New Testament about the Spirit and how the Spirit works in us. In fact, I told you a while ago that when Jesus said, I am going to be with the Father, I'm leaving one with you, and it's better that I go so that you can have this Holy Spirit in you. Why? Because we said, really, for us, it is Greater is the Holy Spirit in us than Jesus next to us. I mean, Jesus, Jesus physically could only in, interact with so many people. The Holy Spirit can be in you, can be in me, can be in every believer and send us all over the place. So we need to understand that every Christian must experience a spirit-filled life. Every Christian. If we are a follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus Christ, and we think God and we think Jesus, but we've kind of left the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit in our life, we are missing the major component in the gift that was given to us that empowers us to do way more than we could ever simply do on our own. I can take your commands you throw out, and I can live them, and I can check off that list and say, well, I never murdered anyone. I mean, I, I don't lie. I never committed adultery. But there's something the Holy Spirit does that will take me way beyond me just simply checking off a list of things to do. So the Holy Spirit's a gift. The Spirit is available to you. When you became a Christian, the Spirit was available. Listen, we've all been given a gift, right? We open it up and we put the smiley face on and then we stick it somewhere. We don't ever use it, right? That is so dangerous when it comes to the Holy Spirit for us as believers, so, so often, the Spirit is just simply not sought. We just don't wake up saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill me today. Holy Spirit, if there be any wrong way in me today, Lord, Holy Spirit, if there's anything I've been running from, and we go straight to the Spirit. Eight of Your Tozer writes a very short little book. It's called How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. I was reading this just a couple weeks ago, and he says this. Not filled with the Holy, we're not filled with the Holy Spirit because, listen to this, we're not ready. Like when I read that first, I was thinking, that's an interesting picture. We're not ready. And so I was picturing, you know, like sitting back on a couch. Oh, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. Just drop the Holy Spirit on me. I'm ready for you to just, you know, like that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm picturing. Well, he goes on to explain what he exactly means. He says, listen, uh, we're not ready to give our all, little a, our all, to the all, is what he says. And when we're not ready to give my all to the all, how can the Holy Spirit have the freedom? How can the Holy Spirit kind of spread out in my life and say, I can be, I can go anywhere in this guy's life? That is being filled with the Holy Spirit. When I give the Spirit that kind of access 
in my life. And so here's the beauty, is the Holy Spirit doesn't want that access to empower us in that way so that we can just experience incredible emotional worship services, right? I mean, those are good, right? I mean, we had an amazing praise team. I hope there's times when I'm preaching where you're like, oh, man, the Spirit's moving there. You know, Spirit's convicting. But listen, if the Holy Spirit wants that kind of space to fill up my life just simply so I can experience something like impactful or emotional for an hour, I am going to be really, really disappointed (laughs) in the Holy Spirit. Fortunately, we have God's Word that tells us otherwise. That God's Word actually tells us the Spirit-filled life actually, here's the awesome, we get to do something with this Spirit-filled life. And God wants to use us, us. I mean, these seemingly at times insignificant broken vessels, God says, I'm going to fill it up with my Holy Spirit. I'm going to go use you. One of the most powerful verses that fit into this we find in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Comes on you. Sorry, I'm giving a pawn because that's how I memorized it. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power. Now, don't move past that so fast. You are going to be empowered. Think anything in your life that you go do that you walk away going, man, I just feel empowered when I do that. Like you go to the gym and you work out and you go, ah, I feel kind of empowered, you know. Or you have somebody that speaks in, always speaks encouraging words into your life. They're just always saying, man, you're awesome. I love you. And you just feel empowered when you're around that person. The Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When the Holy Spirit is in your life, you will receive power. What does this mean? You are going to gain something from the Holy Spirit that you cannot have on your own doesn't matter how good of a Christian you think you are or how moral you think you are as it lines up with God's word. There's something the Holy Spirit will do within you you cannot do on your own. So you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what? You're going to be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I'll let you do your own geographical research on that. You just look at a a map. Some of your back of your Bibles have these maps. You can look up those places. But let me translate. Everywhere you go for the rest of your life, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witness everywhere you go for the rest of your life. The Holy Spirit is meant to empower you for the purpose of being a witness. Now, you might say, well, Tom, the Holy Spirit does much more than that. You're right. Of course. I mean, the Holy Spirit, Tom, the Holy Spirit is supposed to kind of help me overcome hardships, difficult times in my life, sustain me. And you would be right. The Holy Spirit is supposed to help me overcome temptation. And you would be right. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness. Luke chapter 4, for what? To be tempted by the devil. 40 days, 40 nights. That's a rough temptation, right? He didn't overcome. The Holy Spirit sustained him. So the Holy Spirit will empower you to overcome. The Holy Spirit will help you overcome temptation. The Holy Spirit will even cause some to do miraculous things that make no sense by human standards. For what purpose, though? Why? To share the name of Jesus. To witness the name of Jesus. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Everywhere you go for the rest of your life, 
you will be my witness. The Holy Spirit is given to be a witness. A witness. I want to share with you a passage. It's actually not in your notes, so let me flip to it, but you can go to it. It's in 1 John. It's this little letter of John. If you remember towards the back of your Bible, John writes a gospel, and then he writes uh, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. There's a little dispute if John actually wrote it, but it, it certainly was somebody named John wrote these. And this is what he says. At the very beginning, so you understand this concept of witness. John is actually going to speak to the church. It's a, it's a new church. And he's going to speak to the church and he's going to say, hey, hey, guys, you're getting a few things wrong. Let me give correction here. Let me help you understand what the real truth of Jesus Christ is. And let me share with you how he jumps into this passage. This is what he says. That which from the beginning, listen, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, verse 2, we have seen it and testified to it. Verse 3, what we have seen and heard. What is he doing? He is leveraging what he saw. He is saying, look, I want to share with you my witness because I was there. I was with Jesus. I talked with Jesus. I saw what he did. I was there. And so let me make sure you understand I have authority to speak this because of my interaction with Jesus. Listen to what Peter writes, 1 Peter three fifteen. It's in your notes. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. Now, this is interesting. Remember, this is Peter talking. The unlearned Peter, remember, that the Gospels teach us about? This isn't Paul. This isn't Paul who studied as a Pharisee. Paul had that law. He knew that law inside and out. Argued it for years against Christians. Then he became a Christian. This is Peter. And Peter is speaking. And let me tell you what Peter does. You can find this. You look in the book of Acts here. You can see Peter's speeches. What is Peter speaking when he says, always be ready to give an account for your hope? He just says, look, let me tell you guys what I saw. I walked with Jesus. I talked with Jesus. I saw him do this. I saw him do that. And he always leverages. I watched him die. And he rose again and appeared to us later. What is Peter doing? What is John doing? They are simply testifying to what they witnessed. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my what? You will be my witnesses. So you might say, well, we weren't with Jesus Christ like John and Peter. We didn't walk and see these type of things. We didn't have these same interactions. Yeah, you did. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You have the Holy Spirit as the gift given to you. Every believer needs a spirit-filled life. Why? Because that empowering of the Spirit will send you to be a witness. The same way John was. The same way Peter was. The same way Paul went. And went the same way all the disciples who walked with Jesus. You and I get to go do that because the Holy Spirit lives within us. We get to do something with this Spirit. Now, here's its trouble. We all believe that. It's just hard. The hump that is hard to get over is the nervousness. What do I say? What if they're not interested? What if I blow it? What if they ask me a question and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. What, what do I do? And so we kind, of, we kind of 
squelch ourselves, and we don't share, and we don't witness. So I want to give you, in our remaining time, I want to give you just a real simple uh, way that we can actually open up doors to share our faith or share Jesus Christ with other people. The first thing is at the bottom of your page. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in depth next week, so let me just kind of blitz through it today and give you the overview, and then we'll get back to it. The words at the bottom of your page are care, prayer, share. First thing we're going to do is we're going to care for people. I want us to care so deeply for people and to love them so much that the proof of that is not you saying, I love them, I care for them. The proof is that they say, wow, they really love me. They really care for me. Now, you won't always get those words of affirmation back, but that would be the goal. I want to care for them so much that they feel it. Because sometimes, you know, we're like, I love them. I mean, I would love everybody. I love anyone, even if they don't know Jesus, even if they don't believe what I believe. And sometimes they're like, well, it doesn't feel that way, (laughs) you know. We want to care for them. That's where we're starting. We'll talk more next week. The second thing is we want to pray for them. Every single person in your life that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I want you to pray for them. Lift them up at least once every week. Every day would be awesome that I'm going to pray for them. Listen, if I put you on the spot right now and I said, you got to stand up here and tell me somebody that doesn't know Jesus, you might be like, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't think I know anybody, right? But as you get quiet before the Lord, as you say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me those who I need to pray for, you will be amazed how long your list gets. It'll be plenty long. And you just start praying for those people. Lord, would you bring these people to you? Now, we're going to ask that the Lord would use us too, but you could pray for a list that's so long that you may never have encounter with that person. You may have saw them once. Somebody in high school might have come to mind. You don't even know where they are on this planet, but you decide you're going to pray for them. You just pray for that list. And the third thing is we're going to share. Now, we always talk about sharing our life, but sometimes, folks, as believers, we excuse ourselves from using our words because we want to say, well, if I just live out my faith, they'll see it, and that'll be a witness. You, bl- Yeah, of course it will be. I hope it is. I hope it's a powerful witness. But it's a witness that gets you to using words. It's a bridge to you being able to share your words. Jesus speaks, uh, in, in Luke records it in his gospel. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God wants to use you and I through the power of the Holy Spirit to go out to our friends and families to bring them to know Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. He wants to use you and I to go out with what? The power of the Holy Spirit so that our friends and family would come to know Jesus Christ. That's his method. Maybe you could think of a better system, and God basically says, don't care. This is my system. This is what I'm going to use. This is where my wisdom lies. He wants to use you and I through the power of the Holy Spirit to see our friends and family come to know Jesus. Let me tell you a quick story. I was in um, high school. I just started high school. And I hadn't yet said yes to Jesus Christ. So that's where this story begins. And it's a little, I'm actually excited about telling this, maybe a little nervous because my youth pastor from high school is watching online. Hi, Pastor Mark. 
um, this morning. But this was a story. A friend of mine, he was new to the youth group as well. We went down to one of the beach camps. And I had been coming to youth group for a little while because, you know, games and pizzas and things like that. And the Kammeyer twins were helpful, too, to making me keep coming back. Uh, I thought, surely one of them wanted to date me. But if not that one, maybe the other one. You know, I wasn't particular. But we went down to this beach camp. And uh, we were down on the beach. And I remember um, one of the leaders saying, uh, you know those waves out there? They'll keep rolling in all night long, even if we're not here to see it. God will be here to see it. And at that point in my high school immaturity, I couldn't quite handle that deep philosophical word. And so we basically uh, mocked him uh, on the way back up the hill. There's these cliffs you got to walk up. And we said, oh, look at that bush blowing in the breeze, you know. Look at that dust, whatever. It'll be here all night. God will only see it. But when I got back to my tent and I laid down, the light bulb went on. And I thought for the first time, if God would view me the same way and cared for me and loved me, even if nobody else did. Now, I had a loving family, but I thought if God cared for me that way, even if no one else did, I'd be in on that. And so that night, laying in my tent, the best I knew how to do, I basically said, God, um, if, if you're for me that way, I'll be for you. Kind of like full, like I knew in my head I meant full tilt, like, like all in. Immediately, there was, a, there was a switch. I had been searching to see, is there significance in the supernatural to my life? Is there any significance? In a moment, that search was over. It was done. I knew there was significance. From that point on, that search was knowing God more, knowing Jesus Christ, and knowing what Jesus did on the cross. And understanding the Holy Spirit empowering me. I mean, this search was to the point where one year later I'm sitting in class and I entertained the thought. I knew it's the Holy Spirit, but I entertained this thought, well, Tom, you ought to go into the full-time ministry. I'm like, okay, we'll do that too. And that was the call. That's my story. Do you have a story like that? I bet you do. I bet you have a story of a time where you shared about coming to know Jesus Christ. And so here's what I want to do. I want to, for the next couple minutes, I want to walk you through the backside of this sermon notes. If you're at home, I hope you've looked it up. If not, I hope I've intrigued you enough that you'll go to the, the code and, and bring it down. I want to walk you through this. And I'm, what I'm calling you on is I'm calling you to write down your story the same as I just shared. And you can do this in two minutes. You can share a story like this in two minutes. A story about how you came to know Jesus Christ. Let me share with you three components of this story. Uh, and you can write down. You can start writing down. Or at least, very least, take this home and spend the time where you would write out. Here's the first thing. My life before Christ. What did it look like? What were your struggles? What was the pain? What was the search like? Your pursuits? What were your dysfunctions? What was your emptiness? What was going on before you knew Jesus Christ? About three sentences, four sentences, you could write out and you could articulate what was happening in your life. That's powerful. People want to know, what was going on? What led you to this? The second thing, how I came to know Christ. What led me to put my trust in Christ? What happened? Tell the story. Three or four sentences, you can say, I was at youth camp and 
And I learned about Jesus going to the cross. I learned about the forgiveness. I learned about transformation. I learned whatever it is, your story about coming to know Jesus Christ. And write that out. People need to know that. Otherwise, they're seeking some self-help option. You know, like, hey, life wasn't going well, and so I wanted to try real hard or dig deeper or get in touch with my inner spirit, and life was different. Point them. Why did you come to know Jesus? And then finally, how my life has changed after coming to Christ. Listen, they don't care a lot about the story if there wasn't life transformation. What they want to hear about, how is life different? Don't think you have to say, well, I was a total drug addict. I came to Christ. I've been clean for 30 years. That's a wonderful testimony. Some of you in this room have that testimony. But your testimony might have been, I had no interest in God. I was just floating through life on my own, figuring it out. I came to know Christ, and now I've been walking with this, just this fullness of walking hand in hand with God in confidence. That's a powerful testimony as well. And so write out three or four sentences, how Jesus transformed me from my brokenness or pain or emptiness or search in my life. Now, you take those three sections, and you add those three or four sentences in each section together. You have your story that you can share. And you can share that story in a minute and a half, in two minutes. You can just ask somebody someday, hey, can I tell you a story? And you can share that story with them. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Besides going home and taking this paper and actually writing out your story, writing it out. Like, listen, I have just did this recently in my life a couple months ago, and I realized I have never written down my story. It's just kind of floating in my head. So some minutes, sometimes people get a little two-minute version. Sometimes t people get a, a rambling 22-minute version of Tom's story. So I sat and I wrote it down. What were those important components? So I want to encourage you to do that. And here's one more step I want to challenge you in this week. I think we all can do this. I want to challenge you to share your story with one person this week. For one person. Now, it may be for you, like right away, got the name's already in your head. You're like, I know who I need to share this with this week. Somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ, and you're going to share it with them. For some of you, let's be honest, the gap right now of where you're at to the confidence to share your faith with anybody, I mean, you're, you're just petrified right now. Take your story and share it with somebody who knows Jesus but doesn't know your story. Is there somebody in your family who they were like, hey, I had no idea that was your story? Share that with them. Why? Well, you're kind of practicing sharing your story. But before you let yourself be convinced, or before you let yourself be too fearful, I want to remind you, you'll see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. Step out. Trust God. Just walk that road. Walk it. Do you remember when the Red Sea parted? But do you remember the verses before that? Walk out into the water with the ark. God didn't do anything till they were there. And then the waters parted. Power along the way. The Holy Spirit will empower you. Just get going and following God in this. Here's the final thing I want to share with you. For some of you, the first step you need to do before you can do any of this, as you started to process your story before Christ, when you came to Christ, what you need to think of right now is there's some of you in this room, you need to rededicate your life to Christ. 
you know right now that third part, you're having a very hard time figuring out how you would write something down because you've drifted away. You, maybe you're still in church, but you've drifted away from that. And just this morning, you can say, God, forgive me. I rededicate myself to following you. I'm giving my all to the all this morning. And he'll meet you and receive you right here, right now. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you um, that you are going to use us, people like us, Lord, to reach our friends. This is my bold prayer this morning, Lord. I want everyone in this room to hear it as well as online. My bold prayer is that, Lord, I want to see every single person who calls Windover Hills home lead someone to Christ this year. Every single person. Not just simply inviting to church, I hope they do that, but they would actually be able to share their story to get to God's story with the people that you have called them to share. And we would see people come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, it's going to take more than one sermon on a Sunday morning. It will take us investing in that, praying for those people. It'll take us learning and being discipled on how to do that even better. Lead us in that as your Holy Spirit is guiding and convicts our heart as well. So, Lord, now send us out to write our stories and show us that person. Maybe it's 10 people. I don't know, Lord. But show us who will go share our story with this week. Because we are your witnesses, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Thank you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I am looking forward to this. I was actually uh, really kind of fired up about this series and sharing this message. Uh, Pastor Anson and I have been going through a lot of this together, and it's had an impact on my own life. And so I was excited to share with you. Sometimes I take Thousand Foot Crutch. Um, which is a music group, and I listened to Rock Fist in the morning, which is like my song to rev me up. I didn't even need Rock Fist this morning. I just, I was ready, ready to go. So, hey, let me share with you a couple things.